Her husband is coming Monday to get him a job in Louisville so he could work while <laughs> they stayed close enough to hear the seven seals. I said, that'd take about three months later. <laughs> we don't have any place here to advertise the meeting and so forth. Nothing to take care of it. You're in the city. Nothing to, to seat the people. I'd like to sometime, maybe if God being willing to uh, have that out in the campaign somewhere, set up about a three months meeting and just start right through those seals like that out in the campaign. Then people could just stay right through it. And here it runs from the sixth chapter of Revelation through the 19th. So you get the seven seals, the seven plagues, the three woes, the woman sitting on the scarlet covered beast, 144,000. Oh, there's just so much of it goes in to tie those before the seventh uh, seal is given. <clears throat> seventh plague falls, seventh trumpet sounds, and there's so many of those things that all tie that together. And each one of them is a great day's lesson in itself. Now, let us bow our heads just a moment for a word of prayer. Before we pray, would there be some in here who would like to be remembered in this prayer, and you would make known by raising up your hands and in your heart, thank to God just what you have need of now, Now I pray that he will give it to you. Almighty and gracious God, who is the prayer-answering God, a Father that knows all his children has need of. You noticed before we were born, and you have our footsteps numbered, the very hairs of our head are numbered, and our words are all weighed in our bounds. So, Lord God, let us this morning take heed to these things, this solemn obligation that we have before thee. Many of those hands was raised up this morning here in this little assembly. Perhaps was for prayer for their sick bodies, a lost loved one. Thou knowest their hearts and all that is within them. For when you stood here on the earth in form of a human being called Jesus our Lord, you know the very secret of the heart. Everything that the people could imagine in their minds, you could tell them right back what they were thinking about. Why reason ye in your heart of these things? Jesus perceived their thoughts. And we read in the Scripture that thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is also written that wherever two or three are assembled together, there I'll be in their midst. So you're here this morning in the form of the Holy Spirit and know every desire that's on the people's heart. I pray thee, Father God, that you'll speak back to them and say, it is finished. Your request has been answered and I, I'm sending you the assurance this day that all that you have asked for has been granted. God, we remember especially those who are unsaved, raised up their hand. May this be the hour that they'll receive Christ as their Savior. Before the meeting closes today, may there be something happen, Lord, that would bring your presence so close to the people. 
that they would know that that same Jesus that walked in Galilee stands in the midst of his people. They might go away from here today with the same assurance that those who came from Emmaus that time, when they were on the road back, after walking with him all day long, talking to him and him talking to them, and yet they had a little idea that it was him. Oh, God, so many times we are like that. You speak to us in the setting of the sun, in the singing of the birds, in the rustling of the leaves, in the blooming of the flowers, in the hymns of the church. And we so little recognize that it's you in the sick rooms and the hospitals. Many other places you speak to us, and we so little realize that it's you. Now, Lord, as we return to our homes this morning, may we, like they did, recognize, may you do something today in our midst just like you did back there. They knew the thing that you did there before them. You did it before your crucifixion, and they knew that that was the risen Lord. They went back to their groups rejoicing and praising God, for they knew that he was alive. And they said, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us along the road? Lord, you're appearing there and doing something like you did before your crucifixion, proved your resurrection that you was the same Jesus. It caused them to remember all their conversation with you. You've talked with us all week, Lord. Now appear in our midst and make yourself known to each needy heart, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Again, I have spoken to you this morning by my spirit, again calling to your members that I will talk to you this morning. By the voice of my prophet, I have given him a message this morning that might seem be strange to him. Yet it has been ordained of me that your understanding might be made fruitful, that you might look upon my work of righteousness that I am working in my church this day, that your heart might be lifted up, that your understanding might be made fruitful, that you might be receptive to these things that I am going to speak to you this morning, that you might become encouraged in the way that I desire you to walk in, that you might lift up your voices in praise and thanksgiving to me at the close of this service, and know that I have been here, that my spirit is in the midst of you even now. Look unto me, the true and the living God, because I am standing in the midst this morning. I am rejoicing with you in my spirit, and I will lift you this morning by my strong right hand in the place where you can wrestle together and walk beside me in heavenly places, because my desire this morning is unto you, that your heart might be lifted up, that you might rejoice with me in spirit and gain this mighty knowledge and this spiritual wisdom and the understanding that you are going to need when the time comes of the persecution that's going to just before I rapture my bride. You will not endure my wrath, my children, but persecution will come upon you to set you on many sides. You will be tried as you lift up your hands and raise your voices in my behalf and testify when the going is hard, I will come down and look 
I will warn over you the evil devices of the wicked one, because I have spoken to you from my spirit, and if you will listen to my voice as I plead with you this morning, you will have no cause to regret the state of my spirit telling Our congregation shall pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That if my pen ruptures too. And my paper would be flint. And these words that I say now should be engraved upon this that it might go to all people. God's Holy Spirit has strange ways of dealing with his people. Many times through wonders and through gifts and callings, which are without repentance, that God gives them to his people by his grace. I'm home now, kind of a little vacation-like. I usually take this time at home for along this time of year because I like to relax when I go squirrel hunting. Now, I've been down in Kentucky with my friends this week, squirrel hunting, my favorite spot. Somehow. I was discouraged, not exactly because I could find those squirrels, but I just felt discouraged. Something was telling me I must return home. And I slept in the car coming back. Last year, as all of you know, which is on print and also in testimony and in the tapes, I was sitting at a place here in Indiana where the Lord God came down and spoke to me that my second ministry that was ready to take place in the near future. And there was spoken into existence three squirrels. All of you know the story, I'm sure. Somehow going up the road, I, while I let the rest of the boys off going hunting, I, I had a strange feeling to go to this place again. It was before daylight, raining. I didn't even know whether to get to hunt or not, but that I would get over in the field there. Hunting means to get along to yourself to pray. And I stopped the car and got off and walked across the road and went over into the bush and just before it would have been daylight, kind of gray dawn. I'd stopped and had offered a little word of prayer as usual in telling Father that just what I have need of to provide it, I don't believe in wasting anything or destroying, never shot a bird in my life or a target practice or anything else, what I hunt I eat or give to someone that does eat it. 
I don't believe in wasting anything. I don't believe in doing those things because it's not right. Then, as I turned and started along a familiar little pathway by the side of a pasture that crossed over to an L shape in the woods, something strange took place. All my experiences, I've never had anything like that. I looked at the top of the hill to my left from where I was standing, and there coming up out of a black, the top of the hill came three rainbows, and they were running some thirty foot high. First I looked and seen the light, and I just turned back because I thought it might be the sun raising. Well, on the second thought, it wasn't towards the sun, it was towards the south. And another thing, it was smooth, cloudy, rain, raining all over. That was August the 25th, last Friday morning, and you know how it was raining. And it's smooth clouds everywhere. And I looked again, and there it was, growing taller and taller, three rainbows. I took off my hat. I set down my gun. I started walking towards it with my hands up. Something just seemed to tell me this is close enough. I was going to sit down and take off my boots that I had on to see if I could walk a little closer. But I got within a few yards of it, and I seen the color of it, misting like a fog, moving around. I stood still for a few moments, just coming right out of the top of the little mountain. And I watched as the three, one to the right, one to the left, and one in the center, running down into one bowl line. Everyone it was was alive. It was moving and making its motion. And I stood there just as it was graying dawn. I turned and looked again, and I screamed out, Oh, God, what would you have your servant know? Just then the Spirit of the Lord came in and said, Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old. He only changed his mass from spirit to man. That was confirming, of course, my message of him. Letting me know assured that these thirty-one years hasn't been in vain. As I started to approach it began to go away, went down into this bowl-like affair, and then disappeared. I walked up close. I was afraid to go any closer, because he'd stopped me before I got there. I turned and noticed that that light, the way it was shining for me, was just exactly in line with the tree where I sat last year where the squirrels appeared. Some thirty-five or forty minutes later, I went down through the woods and over the creek bottoms and so forth, till I got to this tree that separates in four directions, east, north, west, and south, four prongs of the tree running out. And I climbed into this prong and sat down where I was when he told me of that scripture, you say to this mountain, be moved. And as I stood there a little bit, not thinking yet of the rainbow, it had left my mind. I stood there, and this has been a very bad year for squirrel hunting. Uh, everything is late, no squirrels. I thought, right here is where God gave me them squirrels last year to speaking to existence. 
I took off my hat again, and I said, Lord God, you are still the same Jesus. You are still God. And something said to me, how many do you need this time? I said, just as I did the other time, the limit. And then I said, I shall have this limit before 10 o'clock today. And strange as it seems, just then I was in a very bad mosquito area where it was invested with mosquitoes and kind of swampland. The great big mosquito came to bite me right by the eye. And I said, not one of them will bother me this day. No repellent or anything with me. And before I knew it, I said, the sun will shine within 30 minutes. And no more than I'd said that till just behind me, a squirrel exactly like that in last year, young red, jumped out on the limb about 70 yards away and began barking. I turned around at those long distance. I could barely through the powerful scope see his eyes. Just shot. That's all. I didn't even have aim at the, no more than over the squirrel. And the bullet was just exactly smacked at the eye where it was the other time. On down through the woods I went, and at exactly three minutes of ten o'clock, I shot my third squirrel, just like it was last year, just exactly the same. At three minutes before ten. God being my solemn judge, not one mosquito even buzzed all day long. Right where there's just tons of them, I suppose, that they could be weighed out. And I never even seen or heard one. I was listening for them to see if I could. And I heard a humming. I thought, there's one somewhere. And I listened, and it was a truck way back on the highway. And exactly 30 minutes from that time, the sun shone out good and bright. Then I came back to the place. And I've been thinking when I said limit, that meant five squirrels, which is the limit in Indiana. But I remember last year when he asked me how many did it take for me a mess, I said three. And I just got the three. So yesterday I went back, was going to the same place again, and something said, do not go across the road. And at exactly ten o'clock, on the exact dot ten o'clock with my watch, I shot the Indiana limit, the fifth squirrel. I want you to notice there was three rainbows, and there was three things said, three squirrels gotten. There was three things, three squirrels by 10 o'clock, no mosquitoes, the sun would shine in 30 minutes. And uh, there were three to give witness of it. Brother Banks Woods, my son Billy Paul and his son David to give witness to it. When I seen them rainbows about as wide across as that halo is, that angel of the Lord, but there were three of them running into one. Oh, how it helped my heart to know that God, Jesus is not just a man as people think he is, 
just the prophet as this modern idea today thinks that Jesus is just a prophet? He's Jehovah of the Old Testament, made flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. There that sure did comfort me. Then thinking on that subject that God had sought so many people. Now there is a group of people call themselves the oneness or the Jesus only. I don't agree with them upon their theory. Neither do I agree with that Trinitarian group that says that there are three different gods, the extremes of the Trinitarians. But I believe that the three Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is one. That they are three offices of one God. He lived in the fatherhood in the pillar of fire. He lived in the sonship in Jesus Christ, and he lives now in the Holy Ghost in his church. The same Lord Jesus that was made flesh and dwelt among us is with us this day, among us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Of all the experiences, when I turned first and seen it, thinking first that could be the sun peeped through a, a cloud somewhere, but it was before the sun time. Then when I turned back again and seen it wasn't a light, it was rainbows. And then when I looked and seen that, I become numb all over. Just someone said to me, did not you feel like shouting? No, I didn't feel like shouting. Those experiences never make you feel like shouting. They just make you feel anchored. Just where that you know that there's something that tells you. Just a satisfied feeling. Now, those things are truth. I know we have things that said that many times some people say, oh, I don't believe in such stuff as that. I can't vouch you for that. I don't know. I can only vouch you for what I know to be the truth. And God Almighty, who wrote this Bible, and I am his servant, he knows that that is the truth. Think of it that the day that we are living in, just before the coming of the Lord, Jesus said there will be signs in the skies and in the earth, great sights, flying saucers, missiles, perplexed of time, distress between the nations, fearful sights upon the earth, and we're living in that day to see those things. Now. For the message this morning that I have chosen, I want you to turn with me in the Scriptures over to Zechariah. It was my Zechariah, the, the fourth chapter. It is my desire to tell you these things. Many times things happen that I don't, uh, don't speak it, don't say it, but this was too outstanding for me to keep it from the church. Amen. It, must be told. And before God, who I stand, it's the truth. I know that there is a God. And I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Emmanuel, dwelling amongst his people today in the form of the Holy Spirit. And I know that the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. And signs and wonders are appearing. Yeah, we just got to the seven church ages and learning that we're in the last and lady of seeing church age, when the church will be indifferent, get cold, denominate. 
and be organized. Organizations would take it over, eat it up. But a promise that there'd be a little remnant left. There would be a church that would be scattered abroad everywhere, but God would gather together and rapture it into glory. Amen. A little sanctified group somewhere Amen. waiting on the Lord. Then the other day when I got Daniel 70 weeks, standing right here in the pulpit, something struck me. I've never been able to get away from it. To see the hour that we're living in. I want to go somewhere and do something else, keep it off my mind. I got too many loved ones that's unsaved. Knowing what can I do to get them saved? What is there I can do? I have preached the gospel. God has done great signs and wonders like he's never done since the world, since the days of the Lord Jesus, as he never did it in all the history of time. And around the world it's went. And still the world continually gets worse. But then I have to remember that we're living in the Lady Ocean Church age, where they will get worse. And it said they would. Then I chose this morning, being that that message was so attacted, another thing that I'm so gotten after about is preaching grace. I want to speak on that this morning as I read the fourth chapter of Zechariah, a portion of it. And the angel that talked with me came again and wakened me as a man that is wakened out of sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Do you see the message will not come by some great mights or powers, but by the Spirit of God. Last verse, seventh verse. Who art thou, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Grace, grace unto it. We are all acquainted with this scripture that reads the Bible. We know that this was during the time of the preparation of the restoration of the temple. And Zerubbabel was a great prince amongst the people who had laid the foundation of the building. Now you want you to put on your spiritual thinking, anointing, jacket this morning as we think, and this great prince had determined to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then 
when he did, he had laid the foundation stone. And as we read on farther, we find out that God said, Zerubbabel has laid the foundation with his hands. He also shall bring forth the headstone. Amen. I want you to notice, he never said he shall bring forth the cornerstone. He shall bring forth the headstone. And we know that the scripture says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And he's also the headstone. Now, if we will think for a few minutes that the seventh church messenger was to restore the faith of the children back to the Father. In other words, rebuild the church again under the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. Not by organization, not by denomination, but by the Holy Spirit God will bring forth the church in the last days. Zerubbabel, the prince with Joshua, was the one that was to bring forth this headstone. He had laid the foundation, he had tucked the people back to the foundation in pipe which we all know that these candlesticks and so forth represented both Jewish and church. They were olive branches, the Bible said here. And the olive branch, we are the wild branch that was grafted into the root of the tame olive tree, Gentile. And out of these two branches come censer pipes going into the seven golden candlesticks to give life to the seven church ages. Now remember. In our teaching on the lessons that we've just been through, that we took the great pyramid and studied that for a while, that Enoch must have built. And the headstone was never put in the pyramid. I've been there. The architecture of it could never be replaced to this day. We have no machines that could build a pyramid. No powers, less the atomic power, that could build a pyramid. Because it's too gigantic. Stone that will wait. Tons and tons and tons stands way in the air, so put together that even a thin razor blade cannot, and they're not cemented. They're just cut so that they join one with another. That's the way the body of Jesus Christ should be. So cut by the Holy Spirit, by God's great instrument and tool, that we be joined as one person. We are not divided. We should be one person. And it goes to show that no machinery can do that that way. It takes God to do that. No mechanics of organization, no lodges, none of these things can ever do it, as good as their intentions are. They can never do it because that it takes God to do this, the Holy Spirit. I don't think I have a dollar bill in my pocket, but there is, yes I do, I have a dollar bill, I'm sorry. On the back of this dollar bill, you'll see the seal of the United States on the left side. Looking towards from me, it'd be on the left side. Yours is right. It's the eagle. And also in there, the coat of arms and so forth. But on this side here, right side to me, you see the pyramid. And you notice above the pyramid is the capstone. And beneath there says the great seal, even on our currency, that we have to recognize 
No infidel can stamp out Christianity. Every letter that you date dates the birth of our Lord. Every calendar, everything speaks of him. Even on our currency, the headstone, which is Christ. Why did not they put the headstone on the pyramid? Because the headstone was rejected when it comes. But now, according to the prophecy, there will come the headstone. Now I want you to notice that when the headstone comes, the prince that's going to cry out the message will cry, Grace, Grace! Hallelujah. For it's by grace are we saved. That not of works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. And the message of grace has been tramped under the feet of man until it's become a disgrace. Some of them runs out into eternal security. Some runs out into everything. But the true message of grace remains the same, and that's where Satan tries to knock it out from the church. But it's the grace of God that we're all saved by. So in the deity of Jesus Christ, if the Lord God could come there and confirm that that is the truth, not only that, but by His Word He confirms it the truth, and by signs and wonders He confirms it the truth. Then also grace is the truth. Then why could anyone criticize and say that grace is wrong, that we're saved by works, we are saved by grace, that through faith, not by works. Works shows that you have been saved, but what saves you is the grace of God. Grace saves you. Grace is what God does for you. Works is what you do for God to show appreciation of what God did for you. But by grace are you saved. Some people think it's because I go join church, put my name on the book. That's all I have to do. Some people think it's because I shout. That's all I have to do. Others think because I speak with tongues. That's all I have to do. Some think it's because I've got power to heal the sick. That's all I have to do. It's not. It's the grace of God that saves you. God's amazing grace. Hallelujah. I cannot trust in any marriage. Some said, oh, there's a great man. That man, I've heard him stand up and do this. I've heard him stand up and do that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with tongue of man and angels, though I have discernment, though I have gifts to feed, I'll take all my goods to feed the poor, though I can move mountains with faith, Though I have knowledge to understand all things, I am nothing. The love comes in, which is grace. God has to do it. You can do all these things and still be lost. It's grace that saves you. God's grace to the human race. To thank of Him. I was thinking of that grace immediately after that appeared. Friday morning, just at the break of day. Up there in that field, when I sit on a log, later in tears come down in my eyes. Oh, God, your grace has stooped to save me. Why did you ever have such pity upon a poor, illiterate wretch like myself? How did you ever come down to our humble little tabernacle where peace and people of low walk of life, poor have nothing in this world, and still your grace is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
that you heal our sickness and save our sins. Hallelujah. Save us from our sins, brother, and make us your people. Hallelujah. Deal with us. Then I thought of David, how that when he took a notion to build a house unto the Lord, said, it's not right for me to live in a house of cedar and the ark of the covenant of my God under sheepskins and a tabernacle. God told the prophet, go tell my servant David, I took you from the sheep coat, from feeding them few sheep out there of your daddies, and made you a great name, like great man in the earth. I thought of the grace of God. How that he could do that? Save to the uttermost. Hallelujah. And then would take a poor wretch like myself and give me the opportunity to preach the gospel and to see others saved. See them healed. See homes that's been broke up, straightened up again. See lives that's been ruined, made right again. And to give me grace. Oh, it's amazing grace. Then come to a degraded, low squirrel hunter out into the woods and form himself in the form of the rainbow, which means a covenant. With a message that he gave me to preach and form it there in a covenant that he's behind it. He'll be behind it because the message is of Jesus Christ. His glory. How he's let me go all over the world, round the world to the nations, to the millions of people, seen millions coming to the Lord and accept him as personal Savior, seen him filled with his goodness and sanctified by his power. Hallelujah. See him healed by his great omnipotent power. That I can cry out like the prophet and said, It's not by power, not by might, but it's by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Not by education, not by theology, but by the Spirit of God he saves the people. By the Spirit of God he heals the people. It's the Spirit of God that gives the message to the people. It's the Spirit of God that confirms the word. We've got Theologians today, we've got doctors of divinity, we've got great men all over the world that's smart, intelligent, and educated, but it takes the simplicity of believing God to make his word speak out to show that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It takes a humble heart dedicated to God to bring Jesus Christ unto present tense. <laughs> if it's taken theology... What would the Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, and so forth, we wouldn't have a chance, us poor unlearned people. But it doesn't take knowledge, not by power or by might, but by my spirit, says God, I'll unfold this mystery. And he'll cry to it, grace, grace, with shoutings and crying. That's what it is today. God's amazing grace to his people. How he takes the illiterate, the unlearned, shows that Jesus is the same when he came. He never come to the great theologians. Neither did he go to Caiaphas as a high priest, only to be condemned by him. But he took fishermen, men who were poor and walked the common life. And to that he revealed himself and said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Show that his grace still reached down even from the Jews to the Gentiles to call a people for his name in this last day. Yeah. 
that we have just been through it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Grace is old. Grace is as old as the world is. Grace was first shown to the human race when we had a beginning of the human race. When the human race was first created in the Garden of Eden, on that dark morning, when that little woman had stepped across the separating line and had gone against God's commandments and enticed her husband to do the same thing, then the law was broken. The law must have a penalty or it isn't no law. The law was the day you eat thereof, that day you shall surely die. Remember, the first judgment seat was up on the earth, and it was in the Garden of Eden. And the last judgment seat will be up on the earth at the end time, the white throne. But when Jehovah come down, I could imagine there wasn't even a star to shine. It was so dark in that light little garden that once was, because sin had blotted them out, had taken the light from among them. That's what's the matter with the churches today. That's what's the matter with the people today. Sin has gone out. The light of the living God shows Christ still the same yesterday and forever. And he lives to save the other most and to heal to the lowest sick person. Oh, how it was terrible that morning. Darkness hanging in the garden. I'd imagine fog of black sackcloth. I'd imagine every leaf never moved. There was no wind stirring. It was darkness and terrible because sin had blown out. Amen. There comes Jehovah down like a roar of thunder, walking through the garden, crying, Adam, where art thou? That's when Adam realized he is naked and had sinned before God. He hid himself and tried to make himself a religion, but it didn't work. God killed some sheep, tucked the skins, and showed that something had to die to cover sin. Joining church will never cover sin. No dry confession will ever cover sin. It takes sorrow and repentance and the grace of God to cover sin. For the blood of Jesus Christ, the one that God killed at Calvary, to cover sin. There, in the garden that morning, when sin was so black, Jehovah come in there, stood his couple, standing condemned. There would be no more human race. They had to die. Death on the human race, give the world back to wild beasts. And there had been no human race. But in that darkest of hours, in that time when all hopes is gone, grace come pouring through. Said, I'll give you a Savior, a Messiah. Oh, it's a wonder how God could ever do it. God's amazing grace in the Garden of Eden. They give him the promise of a just one who could come to the woman. The woman's seed shall bruise the serpent's head, the guilty one. And his head shall bruise her heel to show there'd be an affliction to the church. But he promised a triumph. What provided a Savior? Grace. Grace! Yeah. What could they show to Mary Grace? What could they show to do it? The army expression, excuse it, 
All I want to make it from a pulpit here to make a point. Passing the buck. Adam said, the woman you give me did it. The woman said, the serpent beguiled me. One way to another. There was no hope for him. But God provided grace. And it come breaking through. And he said, but I'll make a way somehow. I'll save you regardless. You've done wrong. You've trespassed my laws. And my laws will have to be... The judgment from my laws will have to be executed. Therefore, it will have to be death because I've said death. Now, my Christian friends, and these dangers being made will spread across the world. Let me ask you something. You who try to make God be three gods, are you who try to make him to be one like your finger? He's one in person. It would not be right for God to make an angel die. He could not be the right kind of a judge to make an angel die for a human being. That still doesn't cure it. Because his great law demands death. And something's got to die, and an angel can't die. Neither could he say Eve, because you caused Adam to do this. I'll make you die. Let Adam live, because Adam was partaker also. Like someone said, Pilate was justified. He washed his hands. You can't wash the blood of Jesus Christ off your hands. You'll never leave this building this morning and go to heaven if you die in your sins. It's on your hands. So it isn't right. There was only one just way. There's only one way that could be God's great law demands could be met. He had to meet it himself. He had to do it. God's the Spirit and He can't die. So God had to be made man. And He died in human flesh in the form of a man called Jesus Christ. And that was the promise of how that brought the grace. There where you see that God in Christ is the same person, God dwelling in Christ. I am my Father, and one my Father dwells in me. It's not me that speaketh the word, but my Father that dwelleth in me. God in Christ. Certainly, grace was promised in the Garden of Eden. And grace came. Grace to Adam and Eve. No where to go, no which way to turn. And yet grace made a way. Amen. Let me say this, my sinner friend. You may be here this morning a prostitute. You may be here this morning a woman chaser. You may be here a drunkard or a gambler or a murderer. You might be here as an impure husband. An impure wife. You might be the vilest of sinners. You say, I'm a past that stage of redemption. No, you're not, or you wouldn't be at the church this morning. Grace will make a way for you in this dark hour if you'll just accept it. Adam had to be willing to accept it. So do you. Accept it. The grace of God reached over Noah's time. Noah. Just an ordinary man. He and his family. But because Noah feared God, he believed God. You can't fear God without believing. How can you fear something you don't believe? You've got to fear God. 
Solomon said the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, Now, just the fear of God, you're beginning to have wisdom. And the fear of God, Noah feared the Lord. And he believed the Lord. Amen. And that's what God honors is your faith in Him. That's right. Then, when the fear of God came upon Noah, God called him by grace and saved him and his house. Because it was grace that did it. Not because Noah was a great big handsomer man than all the rest of them. Not because Noah went to the best church there was in the country. Not because he belonged to the best in organization. Not because he could dress better. Not because he had more money. Not because he was some special person. But because of the grace of God, God saved Noah. Grace saved Noah. Not his works, but his grace. And also saved his family. We call another character where God's grace was extended. Many of them. We'll just speak of a few. Abraham. Abraham. No special man. Come down from the Tower of Babel, perhaps come out of an idolatry bunch. His father. Come down to the land of Shinar, down there to dwell in the city of Ur. And while he was there, God spoke to him. By grace! Not because he's different, not because he's a better man, but by grace God called him. The Bible clearly makes that known. Oh, Abraham! How Abraham tested God's patience. Tony said, Abraham, stay in this land. Don't you go out of it. But as soon as the famine come, Abraham run. Abraham spoke of us. God, ta- God took Abraham by grace and saved him. And that's how he takes you, by grace. Now how do we test his patience? Today we're up. Tomorrow we're down. One day we believe, the next day we're wandering. Today we're a Methodist, tomorrow we're a Baptist. Today we believe in divine healing, tomorrow the tummy ache comes and we don't know whether we believe it or not. But yet in the midst of all that, God wants us to stay put. But He saves us anyhow. If it was the grace of God, we'd all be gone. Yeah, but sure, God saves us by His grace. Abraham was supposed to stay in that land. But he went down into the Chaldeans, or not Chaldeans, but the Philistines. Went down there to sojourn, to get out of the famine. Things are a little hard up in his country. So he went down there to journey down there with them. Done exactly what God told him not to do. But yet, the grace of God appeared to him. Kept Pharaoh from Terah, the, uh, the king from taking his wife. Grace of God. When Abraham said, it's my sister. Lied about it. But yet the grace of God held him. Because he repented. He was willing to repent. And anybody's willing to repent, the grace of God still goes for you. The grace of God is searching for you. So that goes for you backsliders this morning. Hallelujah. The grace of God is still looking for you if you'll just repent. God's grace is sufficient. I took good old Abraham, brought him back. And remember, Abraham was not saved by his works. He was saved by grace. Abraham was saved by faith, which is grace. And God saved Abraham because of his grace, not because of his behavior. He saved him because of his grace. Amen. Oh, how good. He was saved by grace. Let's take Israel. I've got a scripture written down here. I 
write it down and I can just refer to it in my mind. If you want to put it down, this will be a good one to remember if you want to. Deuteronomy 7, 7. Um, uh, God gave Abraham uh, his promise, or gave not Abraham, pardon me, gave Israel, and told him, if you will not associate with idolatry, if you will not do these things, if you will stay away from all these pagan ceremonies, if you'll do all these things, then I'll bring you to a good land. I'll take care of you. I'll feed you. I'll lead you. I'll do these things if you'll do such and such. If you'll love me, if you'll keep my commandments, my statutes, my ordinances. I'll do all these things if you'll just do something to keep my commandments and love me. Just like a husband taking a wife and saying, if you'll be a good woman, if you'll take care of the house, if you'll be true to me, if you'll keep my clothes clean, if we have children, if you'll be a mother to them, if you'll do things, I'll work till my hands bleed to make you a living. If you'll do it. But then take what if that woman turns wrong. It's lazy, won't work, won't do nothing. Then it takes grace to keep that family together. Oh, God. It's taking the grace of Jehovah to keep his family together. And that's the only way we're Jehovah's family today is because of the grace of Jesus Christ. We'd all be gone. But it's grace. Oh, grace. Now, but they didn't keep it. But they were, never did come to the full promise. Not that generation. No, the one that promise was made to perished in the wilderness. But God fed them. God took care of them. God loved them. He moved around. Why? Wow, his grace did it. His grace because of his promise. His promise and then the grace that went with his promise. But they never did come to the full value of the promised land. And neither does this church come to its full value. The grace of God holds us, but he wants to get a church that will obey him. A people that will take his word and say it's the truth, regardless of your organization. He wants a people that will not say, well, I'm just as good as you are. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Methodist. I'm Catholic. I'm as good as you are. That's not grace. That shows there's something wrong. But a person, regardless that'll read God's Word and see that you've got to be born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, they'll believe that. They'll take it by the Word. They'll take the Word exactly what it says. Like in baptisms and sprinkling. Baptism is right. There's nobody in the Bible ever sprinkled. No such a thing in the Scripture. Neither was there ever anybody baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost in the Bible. Is everyone baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? So there's not one, not even one speck of history. For if anybody can show anywhere, anywhere in the history where any person was ever baptized in the Bible or 300 years after the death of the last disciple until the Catholic Church, if anybody can show anywhere that anybody was ever sprinkled or baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost until the Catholic Church, you're so duty-bound to come tell me. It's not there. But what do we do? We've been through the church ages to see where they had to do that. So you see, God wants somebody that will obey Him. Amen. If it's not in the Scriptures, then it's not a man. It's a man-made doctrine and not a Bible doctrine. Amen. So regardless of what the church is, how wrong you've been, what difference does that make? It's how right you can be now. Amen. 
God's grace that showed it to you. Them walking. God's grace. Remember Moses also, that great leader. God should have killed him. When he went down there to glorify himself by smiting that rock and said, You see what I can do? In other words, you rebels must we fetch your water from this rock. And he smote it and the waters didn't come. He smote it again. What did he do? He testified of the weakness of, the, of Christ. Because Christ was that rock. That's the headstone. Instead of smiting it or speaking to it, he was smitten once. Remember God told Moses over in Exodus, Go out and I'll stand before, uh, before you up on the rock and smite the rock. And he smoked the rock and brought forth waters. God said, the next time, go speak to the rock, and it'll bring forth his waters. But Moses wanted to show he had a little authority, a little power. So he said, I'll bring you water out of this rock. God should have killed him for it. God should have separated him. Now he broke God's law. Right there. Because he spoke of the weakness of Christ, he has to be smitten the second time. Christ is only smitten once. Now we speak to the rock, and it brings forth its waters. But what was it? Let's look at the old man. He's 120. Someone said to me not long ago, said, God is an unjust God. Said, because he let Moses down, he told them the Hebrews for 40 years, and that wilderness out there, he let him down, and then when he let him go to promised land, I said, oh, nothing. No, he didn't let Moses down. He went to the promised land. About 700 years later, he was saw up on top of Mount Transfiguration, as loud as he ever was, standing talking to Jesus before he went to Calvary. Lord. Him and Elijah standing together, talking to Moses Elijah, appeared to Jesus, Peter, James, and John on Mount Transfiguration. He was not dead. He was alive. God didn't let him down. He was in Palestine. Now, look before he died. He climbed up Mount Nebo. That morning, when he knew he was going, he done stripped Aaron, put his clothes upon another, took his own robe and put it upon Joshua, commanded him to stay with them precepts. And when he climbed up to the top of Mount Nebo, went through the valley of the plains, knowing he was going up there to die, climbed up on Mount Nebo and up to Pisgah. While he was standing up there, God said, look over in the land. I want you to see it. Moses, you could have went over there. But you know what you did down at the rock that day? You glorified yourself. I think that's what's going to be a great trouble to a lot of us people today. Go down there at the rock and you glorified yourself. But notice, when he got ready to die, there stood the rock. He must have stepped over on the rock there at Pisgah. And God buried him. But he must have rose again somewhere because he was alive. He's a type of Christ there. He was then on Mount Transfiguration hundreds of years later over in Palestine. See, the grace of God provided the rock. Amen. Oh, my. When I think of Abraham, of all the mistakes that he made, and Moses and his mistakes, but when Abraham's commentary was written, when the divine commentary was written, when Paul wrote Abraham's commentary, he never mentioned one thing about Abraham's unbelief. No, no. There wasn't even accounted to him. He said, Abraham staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong, giving praise to God. Amen. My humble prayer is before the grace of God that you're this morning. I hope mine wrote like that. That he won't see my mistakes. 
that when my commentary is written in my obituary, that it won't be read out oh, I made mistakes and done wrong, but it'll only see the things that I've tried to do for him. May they just become... What does that? He'll take the grace of God that I believe in, and that's where I'm solely trusting. For upon my own merits, I can no more go in than the rest. But upon the grace of God, I'm depending. Yes, it's grace that I'm depending on. There was a rock there when Moses got ready to die. What could we say of David, the grace of God? That great warrior, for whom God himself he said he's a man after my own heart. That great warrior, David. How could he do such a thing as he done? To take Uriah, his soldier, when he had a handful of Gentiles out there as soldiers. Listen close to this little story just for a moment. When they had the soldiers out there, and Uriah was one who stood by David. Uriah was a proselyte. He was a Hittite, a proselyte to the Jewish religion. And that man loved David so much they seen the anointing was up on him, although he was a, he was a fugitive. He was ousted out from his own country, had to live with the Philistine. Saul was hunting. But yet those men, they saw the anointing upon him. They know he is coming into power. Glory to God. I'm so glad to be a fugitive today. Because I see that Christ is coming in to be king. You can elect all the Kennedys and whatever more you want to. But Christ will be king. The darning is upon him. Upon his message of his coming. And he'll be king. What did he do? One day he was standing up there thirsty for a drink of water from the gate out there at Bethlehem where he used to go herd the sheep. And you know what? Two of those men took a sword and cut through 15 miles of human flesh to get him a bucket of water. Because what his least desire was a commandment to them. Think of that. And they cut through those men over the top of that mountain to where they said he was standing. It'd be about 15 miles. They went through there and every man raised up. They'd do with him until they killed him, went on through and took this bucket and got a bucket of water right through the enemy's line. Two men to get their king, their brother, a drink of water. When he had water up there, drink, but he wanted that water. Oh, God, let me take the sword of the water and cut through every organization. The pain of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection and the Holy Ghost back to the people in the garden. He's coming into power. He's coming into power. You'll stand alone. But cut through every organization. Cut through every theory, every man-made creed, until you bring the Savior back, a sheep that's gone astray. Somebody, bring back the Bible doctrines again of Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The grace of God. Look at David. How could he have done one jumped into a pit and killed a lion? How could David take your eyes wife, the beautiful Bathsheba, when he had 500 of his own? But seen her taking a bath, and there's the negligence. Uh, she just forgot to pull the shades down when she's taking her bath. And nobody that king made a trip down by there every day, down over that wall. That's what's my. I don't think women today so neglected or so. Well, they just simply go out naked. That's all, in the streets. Little old clothes on. It's a disgrace. Then wonder why a man blow and whistle. Why they do that to make them whistle and carry on. They know that. They got sense enough to know that. They do it just because they want to. It's in their heart. You tell them they're immoral, they might dispute that, but they might not be immoral. They might be as pure as the lily when it comes sexually. But remember, there's a spirit on them. 
That warning of the devil. Sending some man's soul to hell. Remember the Bible said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her. In his heart already. Remember, sister, you'll answer for committing adultery, though you never done it actually in all your life, but that sinner that looks at you the way you dress. Be guilty of adultery. You'll answer the day of judgment for committing adultery when he has to say, he said, he wrote on his book, committing adultery with who? Miss John Doe. Now, Miss John Doe, what about that? I swear, I, you know my record. I never live with another man but my own husband. But you dress yourself and you cause this man to commit adultery and you're guilty of adultery with him. That's who he's done it. You are to blame. You was the one who presented yourself. Bathsheba done wrong. Besides, Eve done wrong. But Adam was included in it. I think we're always hard about women, too. You sons of God. Man, I know you're the strongest bunch. That's right. The strongest sex. You're over the women. That's true. So act like it. Don't overpower and try to take some little girl and ruin her life. But be a son of God. Tell her she's in the wrong. Stand like a son of God. She's your sister. Yes, sir. What we try to do, what so-called sons of God today belong to churches, take every little girl out they can. Remember, because it, there's an immoral woman, maybe because some married man ruined her, too. So uh, pot can't call kittle black. So just remember, it's sin that does it all. We're all subject to death and should die for it. When David did that evil thing, his own judgment should have killed him. When that prophet came up there, he thought it was his. When that prophet came up there and stood before him, he said, David, is everything going right? So everything's fine. David in his high robes and his big crown, and he had Joab out there, his great general, and all the fighting going on. He's keeping all the enemies off the borderlines and things. Everything is going right. He had a baby with his Bathsheba, and had poor little Uriah go out there and had Joab to stand by his side until he withdrew from him, and, jo- and, and the boy died when the sun went down with a battle with knife in his hand. Blood on his shield, for he stood for Israel, yet a apostle he was to the religion. Then when Joab come back and told him that, that David had died, that, um, that Uriah died, David thought everything's all right now. I've got his wife and everything will be all right. Got a baby, but the baby took sick. The baby started dying. And he did everything he could to save the baby's life. Perhaps every doctor come, no good. Why the baby died? They was afraid to tell David that the baby is dead. And he died. Then he thought everything was his, so he comforted Bathsheba. He'd already taken her for his wife after all those other wives. This old prophet, old bald-headed fellow, stomped in old Nathan out of the wilderness, sat down and said, David, how's everything going? He said, fine, fine, old prophet of God, live forever, hallelujah. Oh, he, was just, he thought everything was fine. He thought he could hide it, but you can't hide from God. Amen. He knows what you're thinking right now. Amen. He knows your thoughts, for he's God. That Holy Spirit that's in the building this morning knows your thoughts, who you are, where you come from, what you've done. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God had revealed it to that prophet. He said, David, there was a rich man lived on this side of the road. He had a whole lot of sheep. Oh, he's very rich. Man lived on this side of the road. He was poor. He had one lamb. He treated like a daughter. He fed it out of the same spoon he ate with. He slept with the lamb. Everything is just, it's just like a daughter to him. And one day a visitor came, so instead of the rich man taking one of his own sheep and making a feast for the visitor, well, instead of that, he went over to the poor man's lamb and by force 
took the lamb and slayed it and made a feast. Now, that was David's passion. He had 500 wives. But when he seen Uriah's wife, instead of taking one of his 500 wives to appease or satisfy his passions, he went and took this other man's wife. And then he killed Uriah when she became a mother. David didn't know what he was doing. While David is ready to pronounce judgment, that's the way we are. We can always judge the other fellow. But when it comes to us, oh, that's different. David said, the man will pay with his eyes. That old prophet, them eyes near it down, he said, David! Surely you will not die. What's great to go to work right quick? The Spirit struck the prophet. Saved David's life. Grace. Hallelujah. Surely you will not die. But the sword of our eager house has thoroughly purged your heart, for you are that rich man. Oh, it was different then, wasn't it? What say David? When his own judgment said the man will die, he'll pay to the uttermost, and he'll pay for it with his life. And the prophet said, surely, grace, you'll not die. You'll not die, David. Grace has saved you. It was grace to David that saved him. Oh, my. If it hadn't been for grace, where would we all be? Is that right? Certainly. Solvent grace is from a solvent one. Solvent grace from a solvent one. Solvent. What can it do? Sovereign can do whatever it wants to. Listen to this now. Sovereign grace can only be given by one that's sovereign. And God is sovereign. So He can give sovereign grace. Therefore, being sovereign, grace don't have to ask anybody. It don't have to. It does what it wants to. Is that wonderful? It don't have to ask, can I do this or shall I do this? Can I, must I, will I? Nothing to do with it. It does it itself. Grace is sovereign. Therefore, He can save the vilest. He can save the worst. He can save the impurest. He can save the immoral. He can heal the sickest. Hallelujah. He can save a rest like me, and He did. What is it? Grace. William Brandon, a drunkard's son. I don't make any difference. The grace of God saved me. Me, I'm a woman's daughter that was no good. Don't make any difference. The grace of God saved you. It's sovereign. Has to ask nobody nothing. Hey, man, I'm so glad of that. Hallelujah. Can take the vilest sinner and make him white as snow. Don't have to ask anybody about it. Oh, it can do it because it's sovereign. Listen, quickly now. That was proved at the cross. When that was a vile thief, He deserved to die. God had never come across his mind. He never thought nothing of it. There on the cross, when through those bloody lips, in between the groans, there came a sound, Lord, be merciful to me. There came another back to blood, tears, Agony, grace took a hold and said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Grace to death. How could that thief help himself? No more than Adam could help himself. No more than Eve could help herself. No more than you could help yourself. No more than I could help myself. No more we could jerk herself up the milky highway with her bootstraps. We couldn't do it. But the grace of God can do something about it. 
Our talents does not rest, and our talents cannot be our, our, our talents that we have. We cannot earn our grace by talents. If God made me a preacher, I don't show His grace has been with me. No, no. It's His grace alone that saved me. Not because I preach the gospel I'm saved. Not because you speak with tongues you're saved. Oh, no. Not because you, because you preach you're not even saved. It's because you preach. You're, you're not saved because you speak with tongues. You're not saved because you do any of these things. First Corinthians 13 proves so. Though I speak with tongue of man angels, though I understand all the mysteries of God, a preacher, though I uh, do all this and have faith to move mountains, I am nothing until charity comes in, which is love. Amen. Love is grace. The grace of God that does all. Some people, you have talents, like some of these rock and roll kings. That just makes me sick in my, I don't know, my spiritual gastronomics. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I hear these rock and roll stand up on Saturday night and sing uh, rock and roll and dance all night, and then the next morning come to the face, uh, the audience and things like that, with a, try to put on a long sanctimonious face and stand up there before the people and sing some hymn and think they're going to go to heaven. Amen. I could call many names that don't have to. The state's going everywhere. But you all know, a boy you're not long ago in Hollywood wouldn't kiss a girl because it was against his religion. <laughs> against his religion and make rock and roll pictures and things just disgracefully and things like that. You think that you can take your 30 pieces of silver and merit something in God's grace? Judas, we'll buy another little place in hell for you. God's grace cannot be bargained for. Neither can be counted to its sovereign grace. Nothing in my arms I bring simply to thy cross I see. Naked, wounded, I just come as I am, just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bids me come to thee. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. That's all. Just grace that brought me. Grace did it. Grace is like another thing that I'd like to say. Sometimes grace is these big churches. They think that you go down there and they think, well, we built the biggest church in the city. We've got a ladies' aid society here that makes poor clothes for the poor and sends them overseas. We feed the poor. We do all this. Paul said, I do the same thing and nothing. They said, well, we, we're an old organization. We've been here for 2,000 years. We're 500 years old. John Wesley, Alexander Campbell, these great founders back there, well, they founded our church. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus Christ founded this church. Amen. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and told him to go up to Pentecost and wait until he received the power from on high. Hallelujah. And still you can belong to the Pentecostal church and be lost. Pentecostal church is no more than any other church. Wow. Right. The thing of it is, there's only one church. That's the church that you're born into by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But for one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. First Corinthians 12, 13. Right. First Corinthians 12. Now, we are baptized into that church. But people think that they can marry. Well, we, uh, I, I went to school and I learned to do this and I went to seminaries and I died. That don't mean one thing. You can't buy God's grace. God's grace is like this. Let me tell you a story in the end. God's grace is like this. One time there was a mighty king. And this mighty king had a son, and it was his only son. And one day a murderer killed that boy. And through that kingdom went the delegates hunting for that murderer. They finally found that murderer. And when they found him, they brought him back and imprisoned him. And when they did, a trial was set, and a sentence was made. Oh, it was a terrible thing. He had murdered the king's son. 
and he knew what was coming to him. They put him into the inner cell. They locked the doors. They put pads on it so no one in the guards around it. Because we know what kind of a horrible punishment this boy was going to receive because he killed the king's son, the royal king's son. Guards is placed all around the doors. He's put in the inner cell, stripped and nothing but a, a loincloth on. There he was set there in that condition, starving, wouldn't give him nothing to eat. He's sitting in that condition. Then they brought him out to a trial. He was found guilty and proven guilty. A sentence was made that he is to be executed under horrible capital punishment. He is to be killed by inches until his mortal life is gone, sentenced by the judge. He is to die. And he begged, and he cried, and he said, Though I am guilty, though I am guilty, I'm sorry that I did that. I wish I had never done it. I'm sorry that I did In a moment of rage of temper, I did it. I didn't mean to do it that way. One day the king went down to the place to visit the boy, to tell him, talk to him, to tell him about killing his own son, the only son he had. He killed that boy. He said, I'm going down to talk to him. And when he went down there, he looked back in that cage like a caged-in animal. He saw his little skinny body laying back there in the corner crying. His face all sunk in, jaw sank back, his eyes way back, matter was all in his eyes, his mouth was all whited over, no water, thirsty, laying back there on his face crying. The king said, stand up. He come up to him, he looked at him, he said, why did you kill my son? What did my son do to you? What did he do to merit such a death as you killed him? Stabbing him to death with a spear. He said, Nothing, my Lord. Not one thing. Just my own impetus. Just my own ways. I killed him because I was jealous of him. And I got in a temper fit and I killed him. So now I'm to die under your justice, sir. I realize that and I deserve to do it. The only thing I'm crying for, and I'm just sorry that I killed that royal man like that without a call. The king turned on his heels and walked out. Went out to the desk and said, destroy all the records. You know, put them in the sea of forgetfulness. Destroy all the records. Wash him up. Clean him up. I'll send down a robe for him. After a while, a great big limousine drove up to the door. When it did, a carpet was spread out to the prison cell. The king stood in the limousine and said, Come, my son, and ride home with me to the palace. Put the king's robe around his shoulder. He said, From henceforth, you are my son. Because he had pity. That's grace. That was me. That was you. We killed the Son of God with our sins. We were alien, dirty, filthy, laying in the cells of the world. God washed us by the blood of his own Son, he cleansed us, put on the robe of the Holy Spirit. And now the great chariot of God will back up to the door someday and we'll go home to live with him. All records are destroyed. We can't be judged no more. Burn them up. He put them in the sea of forgiveness. Remember us about them no No wonder we can think, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found, and was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. His grace that taught my heart to fear, grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Right. Won't you let this be your hour right now, sinner friends, while we bow our heads just a moment for a word of prayer? Let this be the hour that you first believe right now. Make up your mind and say, Lord God, I'm guilty. I realize it takes grace to save me. I can't save myself. I'm lost. I'm done. I just can't do a thing. I, I'm, I'm totally helpless, hopeless, without God, without mercy, without Christ in the world, alienated. Won't you have mercy? Take me out of this cell of sin that I'm in today, O oh Lord, and be merciful to me, a sinner. Will you raise your hand and say, Lord God, I'm that person that needs your grace. Will you raise that hand and say, pray for me, Brother Branham? I now will believe God bless you back there, my brother. Someone else say, Brother Branham, remember me now, oh brother, please do. In prayer, God bless you, lady. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother, over here. God bless you, brother, back there. God bless you, brother, over here, the other one. Remember me, Brother Branham. God bless my brother there. Yes, the other one here. Uh, God bless you, sister. God bless you here, brother. He sees you. I really need it. God bless you, young man. He sees you. Oh, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister, against the wall. God bless you down here, brother. God bless you, brother, back against the wall.
isn't he wonderful? Now, when, while we sing that again, I want you to shake hands with someone by you real quietly say, God bless you, children, real sweetly and holy now. yesterday day forever. God forgive me for saying sacrilegious words if. But he is the same. But if he is the same, I put it like that, then what kind of a person would he be? He'd be the same as he was. Yeah, now there's only be one thing different than him being here this morning and he was amongst the people of Galilee. That would be his own body of flesh. His corporal body. Because that was raised up. You believe that? That's at the right hand of the majesty on high. Ever living to make intercessions for our confessions. Remember, he cannot do one thing for us until first we accept him and believe that he has. And say that he has. For he is a high priest that is a high priest making intercessions upon our confession. Now a lot of you Bible readers says that says profess and profess and confess is the same word. Make the high priest and the Hebrews third chapter. Now making intercessions upon our confession. Then he can't do nothing until first we confess that he's done it. 
See, you get down here at the altar and pray all night. Wouldn't do you a bit of good until you believe that he forgives you and you stand up. Then as much faith as you have, that's where you, you live once you way down here in the muck of sin. Now you young convert, now you believe you're saved, don't you? Then you raise up here, you raise a little higher. What does that? Your faith because you believe you're a Christian now. You'll live above that thing now. See? Now if you want to raise a little higher, just have more faith because it's unlimited. You see? Yeah, well, all it's impossible to be made real. All things are possible to them that believe. Yeah, That's right. If you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt your heart, but believe what you say comes to pass. You have what you say. Yeah. Now, Jesus Christ dwells in the people. One day, Christ was in a pillar of fire. That one you see taken as we believe it to be. The Jehovah God. That's what they need to try to get to it. Now, he was in the fatherhood then. He's the father of Israel, a nation. Then he came and dwelt among these people as Christ the Son. Is that right? Christ is the Son of God. Now he's Christ the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing. Christ means the anointed and the anointed one upon the people. Christ with us, the Holy Spirit. It's Christ with us in us. You believe that? Yeah. Be real reverent just for a moment. <clears throat> Quite. Now is he the same? I believe. A while ago, I got a call and said people were rambling over seats and things down here. We'll talk about that later on in some church service. I told Billy then, if he's going to pray for the sick, if there's that many down there to give him our prayer cards, he said he would. I suppose he did. For the last two or three months, since a certain occasion and something happened, the ministry got in such a place that it got a little out of my hand. To see that discernment and so forth, how it would speak and tell the people just exactly like our Lord did when he was here on earth. All of you see it, I suppose. How many here never did see it? I never did see it work. Let's see your hands. Never did see it. Never did see it work. Well, there's a group in here that's never seen it. I guess strangers. We don't know where the people come from. This is an interdenominational tabernacle. We are not against denominations, but we're, we're not far in them either. <laughs> We just let them go their way. We believe in taking the people and they want to go back to the nomination or as long as we live a Christian life. We just, just a soul saving station here. That's what my ministry is to. Now, but I believe that the Bible teaches in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. You believe that? Yeah. Well, if he is the same, I want y'all to set real quietness for me and I'll talk to you just right out of my heart now, and then we'll have the healing service. I want to ask you something. If he is the same yesterday and forever, then how did he, the only way we could tell him if he's the Spirit, he'd act the same way that he did yesterday. Is that right? He'd act the same way he did yesterday. How did he act yesterday? Was he different from any other man? He's just a man. Looked like a man. He was a man. He was born. He was a man. He had flesh and blood. He suffered. He groaned. He went through temptation. He was a man. That's right, isn't it? But what made him God is because the Spirit of God was on him. He was the anointed Messiah. And how did they know he was? Moses said, The Lord your God shall raise up a prophet like unto me. This shall come to pass to who won't hear this prophet will be cut off from most people. Now, he was a prophet. Then was Israel looking for a prophet? They had to if they were looking for a Messiah. And a Messiah would be a prophet. Now let's just go through it just a second first. Just a few seconds. Listen close. 
and keep your mind on God because we don't know what God can do. Don't know what he'll tell me to do. I know that we have a gift of prophecy in the church, our brother Neville. He prophesies over the people, which is grand. We appreciate that. We've been referring to that all along. we got some here that speak with tongues. We do not believe people have to speak with tongues to have the Holy Ghost. There's no such scripture for things like that. But we believe there is a gift of the Holy Ghost that speaks in tongues. We have it in our church. But we make that. We don't go around carrying on. We believe it's the voice of God. We speak. When the Holy Ghost speaks, and we only let that come three times. And it has to be while I'm preaching here in order because the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. It has to be carried on by the right. No one can say that there is such a thing as the gift of the Holy Ghost to speak with tongues. We know that. The Bible teaches it. And we believe in that. And thank God we got it in our church here. We got gifts of prophecy. That first must be tested to see if they're right or not. Then a gift of prophecy, then there's a prophet. Now that now you come into an author. Them gifts, them are. Speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and knowledge and wisdom and discernments and so forth. Them are all gifts. But then there's five offices. First is apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. That's ordained offices of God, man whole man. See, they are not can you can't wish for them, you can't pray for them. They're sovereignly given. You're born. A prophet is not a prophet that somebody lays hands on him and makes him a prophet. A prophet's born from his mother's womb is a prophet. Everybody's always a prophet. See? God told Jeremiah, said, Before you was even conceived in your mother's womb, said, I know you and sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. <laughs> Moses, before he was born, he was a proper child. He was the prophet of the law. All the rest of them coming forth. Christ was the son of God from the Garden of Eden. Right. See? Gifts and callings are without repentance, but gifts are given to the body. Now, we recognize that. We recognize all these gifts. Now, let's see what Jesus was among us. See what he was back there. We find out when he first started his ministry. Now, listen close, stranger. When he first started his ministry in St. John, the first chapter, we find out after he was baptized, after he come, was born and become 30 years old, he was baptized with John. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove and descended on him, and a voice came and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom the real original Greek said, In whom I'm pleased to dwell in. He said, in whom, I'm pleased, in, who, in whom I am pleased to dwell. But see, that sounds a little backwards from us, the verb before the adverb. But actually, it's whom I'm pleased to dwell in. Because Christ, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. We know it. Now, immediately he went 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. Then he came forth with his ministry to get his praise for the sick. And after a while, there came up a man by the name of Simon Peter, an old fisherman, uneducated, couldn't even write his own name. Andrew told him about this fellow he believed to be the Messiah. Nonsense. Came up to him, and as soon as he walked up into the presence of Jesus, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, and you're the son of Jonah. Uh, he knows something happened. He knows that was the son of God, and it pleased him to give him the keys to the kingdom. He made the head of the church. There's a fellow standing there by the name of Philip. Philip saw it. And he thought, Wonderful. I know a man who's a Bible scholar. He lives about 15 miles around the mountain. I run around telling his name's Nathaniel. He ran around there real quick that day. Next morning, he got there maybe to break the day. Run up, knocked on the door. Mrs. Nathaniel said, Well, he's out in the orchard out there, Philip, his friend. He went out there and he was on his knees praying. As soon as he got up off his knees, Philip said, Come see who I have found. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, this religious great dignitary said, Could there be anything good come out of Nazareth? He gave him a good, good thing. He said, don't stay home and criticize it. Don't go talk about it. Just come see for yourself. Come see. Just come find out. If anything good could come out of Nazareth. You mean the Messiah? Well, if the Messiah would come, he'd come down and down out of the corners of heaven, be let down, he'd come right out to the palace, 
You come to our great organization, they still think that. You see, that's come to their organization. You come out to our organization, walk down upon the campus of the palace there, and you go out in the outer courts and come out up onto the throne and up to the Holy of Holies and say, I am the Messiah. Messiah or something like that. Messiah comes where he wants to. He's sovereign. He does as he pleases. He said, I, well, he said, come see. Come see for yourself. Don't stand around and say, I don't believe that Holy Roller stuff. Just come find out if there's anything about it. So he's on the road over. I can hear him talk. Let's, would you like to hear what he's talking about? Let's listen and see what he said. I believe going along the side of the road, you know, Philip said, you know, Nathaniel, I know you're a Bible student, so I want to ask you something. We are looking for a Messiah, aren't we? Oh, yes, we're getting in the last days for this generation. And I believe this generation is seeing Messiah. Now, listen. Oh, but here we are. We're not even a nation. We're all scared up amongst the people. How can we all this? God comes in an hour that you think not. That's what he said. He said, but wait a minute. What kind of a person will this Messiah be? Oh, the, the, Moses, our teacher, told us he'll be a prophet. Now, I'm going to tell you about this Jesus of Nazareth. You remember that old eager fisherman? He bought that fish for that time, brought, bought from him, and he couldn't sign the receipt, didn't have enough education? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, Jonas's, Jonas's boy. Yeah, I bought from Jonas, too. Well, now, you know what? Peter, come over there, or Simon, another, his name is Simon, then. He said, Simon came over to his meeting, and no sooner than he walked up in, you remember how Simon used to tell us that his father told him that's not to be deceived because there be many false prophets before the real Messiah, and that's true. Many false messages will go forth. But said, you don't know when the real message comes, because remember, we Jews believe that this Messiah will be a prophet. We believe our prophet. That's the Jew now. Israel, when they pick up that Bible right there now, coming up from Iran, and they, they read it. They say, if that Jesus was the Messiah, let us see him do the sign of the prophet. We'll believe him. Yes, sir. They know that prophets are truthful. So Nathaniel must have said, Oh, I believe the Messiah will be a prophet. Because Moses said, The Lord our God will raise up a prophet. Well, when he seen that, that Simon that you're talking about, he said, Your name is Simon. And you're the son of Jonas. Not only did he know him, but he knows that godly old Pharisee daddy of his. Ah, I can't believe that. You went off on the deep end. He said, oh, no, I haven't. You come find out. Come and see. Come on. On along the road went. Finally walked up into the present where Jesus was. Maybe standing out in the audience somewhere. Jesus standing there looking around. That's while he looked out. And he seen Nathaniel standing out there. He said, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no God. Now that took the stars out of him. That let the wind out of the sails. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no God. That's God, he says, Rabbi means teacher. Rabbi, when did you ever know me? I've never met you before. I'm a stranger in this congregation. I've never been here before. How would you ever know me? He said, before Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. That was Jesus yesterday. Is that right? If he's the same, he's the same today. Let's take another nation of people. There was a nation of people. There was only three nations of people. That's Ham, Sham, and Jacob's people. See, that's exactly that's where the at Pentecost, where the gospel went to the Jews, then to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentiles. The Ham, Sham, and Jacob's people is, is the three nations. Now there's two nations of them looking for a Messiah, not us Gentiles. We had a club on our back. We were heathens worshiping idols, but not not Ham and Sham. Now there's another now. The, the other nation was the Samaritans, which is half Jew and Gentile, caused the marriage of the sin of Korah there. And they went off and they believed in God. They're looking for a Messiah. So Jesus was representing himself before them. He comes to the Jews, his own. But he had a need to go by Samaria, St. John 4. Did you ever read it? And he had a need to go by Samaria. So he, 
come to the city of Cyprus, so he just sent his disciples in to buy some victuals. And while they were gone, if you've ever read the Pamaranic, a well, there's a city pump, like where they let the water down, you know, the women come and take the window and let the bucket down and get the water and put it on their head. And now the ill-famed women, the bad women, they couldn't come with the good women. They had no associations together. In them days, the woman was bad. She stayed in her own company. Not today, they're all together. But they just, uh, but they it's just like picking on the middle of an age. You make it all a red light, see? So then, um, they are. So this uh, ill-famed woman come out there about 11:30 or quarter to 12, about this time of day. She come walking out there to get a bucket of water, and she let the put the like here put the old swivel chair in the window. Let it down into the well, get a bucket of water, and just by the time she started bring it up, she heard somebody say, Woman, bring me a drink. And she looked over and there was a Jew. Now they didn't have any dealings with one another, a middle aged man. He's about thirty, but the Bible said he looked fifty, you know that. It says you say that you saw Abraham and your man out over fifty years old. He's only thirty. Then I guess his ministry drug him down quite a bit. So he said, You say that you've seen Abraham, now we know that you are God of devil. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He's the God of Abraham. <laughs> sure he was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Sure. And now, there's sitting in the well. He said, uh, woman, bring me a drink. She said, it's not customary. We have a segregation here, like the used to in the South, of what colored and white. He said, we have segregation here. Not customary if you ask me, you a Jew, ask me a woman of Samaria to bring a, any favor or anything. We have no dealings with one another. She's a little prostitute woman, you know. So it's probably a pretty little woman. And she's down there, maybe her curls all down her face, you know, and been out all night. And so she said, um, and she said, it's not customary if you ask me a woman of Samaria. He said, woman, if you knew who were talking to you, and you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. That's Messiah yesterday. See? You'd ask me for a drink, I'd give you water, you don't come here to draw. Well, she said, the well's deep, you have nothing to draw with. When did you give me any water? Said, our father, Jacob. See, she's Samaritan, but she calls Jacob her father, too. Our father, Jacob, drunk of this well. His cattle and family. And yet you say, got water greater than this. Said, uh, you say, worship you being a Jew. You say, Jerusalem. We say in this mountain. He said, woman, the time is coming, and now is, that when the true worship is to worship God in the Spirit, because God is the Spirit. See? Father speaks to us to do so. What was he doing? He's talking to her to contact her spirit. See? I remember, he's got to be Messiah before that. Samaritan. And directly found her trouble. How many knows what it was? Sure. She's living with her six husbands. So you see, it's wrong when you've got a living husband and, and, and so forth and going out and just for any cause put a woman away and marry her and go marry another, marry another, marry another, and you shouldn't do that. So he said, uh, she, then she, I guess she's living without even being married to him. She might have never married him. She might not have never even been married. So she said all these evil things, you know, done all this evil stuff. So then, why is stand there looking at her like that? He said, go bring me a drink. And she said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. I bring you water, you don't come, I give you water, you don't come here to drink. Then he said, go get your husband and come here. She said, sir, I have no husband. Oh, he said, you have said, well, you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And then she said, well. She's listening to that woman. Now I wonder, what did the Jews call him when they see him do that? Did they recognize him to be the Messiah? No. What did they say he was? Beelzebub, a fortune teller. So that power was Beelzebub. And they called the Spirit of God that was doing that discernment an unclean thing. And he said, you speak a word against me, I'll forgive you. But someday the Holy Ghost is coming to do the same thing. And you speak one word against it, it'll never be forgiven. 
so you see where we're at today, if it happened to be today. One word against it will never be forgiven, neither in this world or the world that is to come. So you see what this generation's done. Now think of it, think strong, weigh this solemn words. Now, the Jews said, this man does these things by Beelzebub. He's a devil, fortune teller. We know the fortune telling is a devil. So he said, this man's a fortune teller. So he forgave him for calling him a fortune teller, but after he died and the Holy Spirit come back, then it was different. See, that's, that's for the Gentile generation. Now notice, now the, the Jews had already seen it, condemned it, the Samaritans received it, and she said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. What are you going to do with the Samaritans? I perceive that you are a prophet. We know that when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us these things. See, they know the Messiah who he would be. Said, so we know that the Messiah, which is called the Christ, when he comes, he'll tell us these things. But who art thou? Are you his prophet? He said, I am he. I am he. Upon this, now listen, upon this she left her water pot and ran into the city and come, said to the man in the streets around through the city, said, Come see a man who told me the things that I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? And the Bible said that all the city believed on him because that the woman had said this, that he told him because he was the Messiah. Now, if that was the sign of Messiah yesterday, and he's the same yesterday, day, and forever, it'd be the same sign today. Is that right? Amen. How many will agree on that? Amen. Okay. All right. Now, was he any different man? No. He loved, he cried, he eat, he slept. He went into the wilderness, went fishing, done just like anybody else. He's just a man. See? But yet he was the anointed Messiah. Now, now we remember over in the Bible that tells us way back where we go to many scriptures and prove that the Bible claims that there'll be a day that'll not be night or day, just a dismal day, organizations and churches are enough to be saved. But in the evening time, it shall be light. How many have ever read that in the Bible? Yeah. Now, in other words, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. The same sun rises in the east, sets in the west. Well, when the Son of God, S-O-N, rolls in the east on the eastern people, civilization tra travels with the sun. And we're at the west coast now. If you go any across, you go to China, back in the east again. So then the same sun that shines on the east is now shining on the west. Amen. With the Amen. same baptism of the Holy Ghost, the same sign, same wonders, the same Messiah. Amen. Is it right? Amen. It shall be light in the evening time. The path of glory you will surely find. Right. We're in the evening. The evening lights, the sun is going down. The Messiah is in our midst. The Son of God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, is in our midst. Do you believe that? Do you believe me to be his servant? Do you believe what I'm telling you is the truth? Do you believe the story of that angel yesterday morning, before yesterday morning? Do you believe it? Then let the God of heaven, let the God that appeared to me in the form of that rainbow, let him speak. Let my body be dedicated to him. My soul, spirit, and mind be dedicated to his glory. When I was looking for that last squirrel and know it would be the last, it was right then three minutes till 10 o'clock, and I said it would be by 10 o'clock. You know, he said, say what you will, it'll be that way. Amen. He's never failed it yet. Whatever, just say what you will. But the eighth time that was ever done was on a little woman. She's sitting back there now. I suppose I see Brother Ryan sitting here. Had he right? When she asked for her two children, there she is right there now. For the salvation of her two children was the friendly against it. I said, I give you your children in the name of Jesus Christ. They fell right across her lap. Ed Dalton, Baptist, sitting here from down in Kentucky, sitting right here. How many children you got, Ed? 
twelve children. Standing right here, he asked for his children. I walked out of the building. Ed comes here again. I said, Ed, the Holy Spirit was on me. He said, Give it to him. Give him. I said, I give you your children. Every one of them saved and baptized. There was this teenager sitting at home waiting, crying. He's been saved since he's up here. This Baptist brother. <laughs> oh, how wonderful he is when he speaks. I'm asking him now. Amen. For his glory. To show himself that he's Christ. Amen. Now I'm telling the truth. Now, that's it. The unbeliever might have no escape. I want the people that's in here that's sick and needy, has need of God, that I don't know. Strangers within our gates, people that I do not know, that sure you have the need of God, raise up your hand. People everywhere that. All right, just about general everywhere, I suppose. People that I do not know. If I call somebody that, know, that I know and you know me and, and we're acquainted with one another, don't you say nothing. You, you just hold your feet. If he is the Son of God, which he is, oh, and my message is right, yeah. that angel, when it was three minutes to ten, I said, Oh God, who appeared to me while I was on that rainbow, it's three minutes I see no squirrel. It's three minutes you'll have to bring one to me. God being my judge, I solemnly say it with my hand on the Bible. Don't leave the swearing. The Bible don't say that. it says not to do that. But God is my judge. A squirrel run right down the tree and set this exactly right. He's never failed. He never did it. Many of them here are present and all those things. I know it. He, that same God is here. There's prayer cards to get out of. I don't want them. We let them be prayed for and still come up in the line. I want people that's here or whatever. I want strangers. I want people that doesn't know me. I want you to get on your mind. I want you to go to thinking and praying and saying, God, that man doesn't know me. And one day, a little woman pressed to a crowd. She had a blood issue. And she said, when all of them saying, here he is, look at him, there's that Galilean, so on forth, all them rabbis and so forth standing there saying, Rabbi, we'd seek a sign from you and so forth like that. This little woman said, I believe him to be the Son of God. Now I believe if I can only touch the border of his garment, I'll be made whole. How many of us? She touched him. Not that he could feel, but he stopped and turned around and said, Who touched me? Somebody touched me. Everybody kept real quiet. Said, Somebody touched me. Said, Who touched me? And he looked around until he found the little woman. She couldn't hide herself. Couldn't find it. Found her and said, Thy faith has saved me. The torn of her blood issue had been saved, because, because that she had believed and her faith touched his garment. You believe that? Yes, amen. All right. Now, is he a high priest today that's sitting at the right hand of God making intercessions on our confession? Does the Bible say that he's a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities? Is that right? Yeah, All right, if you're sick, you start praying and say, Lord God, I've just heard a message. I, I don't know this man. I'm, I'm here in the tabernacle. I don't come here. This is not my home church. I'm from somewhere else. I'm from out of town. I'm from uh, uh, somewhere else. I don't know the man. But he makes it, seems to make it so positive that it's you. And said that you appeared to him that his message is right. And how do you do these things? Now, I don't know the man, but I know you. So, if he has dedicated himself to you and you're using his body to speak your own words to, let him speak to me. Let me touch your garment, Lord, and see if he does or not. See if he's God. If he's still God, he can use my lips to speak the same words that he do, because he has no lips but mine and yours. He has no eyes but ours. So he just comes down and operates his church 
You are a body. Do you believe that? Operates itself. That's what he said. The works that I do, you shall do the same. Is that right? Same works you shall do. That was the works he did to prove he was Messiah. Now, if he is Messiah, and he is, then that being true, then he does the same works right now through his church that he did then. That proves that it's right. Regardless of all your denominations. Oh, hallelujah. The little brother kid and sister kid sitting here, both of them in their 80 years old, preaching before I was born. Here he laid the other morning dying with a cancer about two years ago. Cutting to his prostrates, way up in Ohio. Been very dear friends of mine. Sister kid called me and said, Billy, you better hurry. He's just dying, about dying now. And Billy and I like to burn that old second-hand car mine up, getting up there. When we got there in the room, as soon as we got there, the Holy Spirit spoke, Dust, saith the Lord. There he's standing. A witness to the glory of God. He even got his doctor all tore up. It's just he's God. Could I do that? No, sir. My words are no more than any man. But that was dust. Amen. Years ago down in mountains of Kentucky, the little old church of God or some of them packing up and down hillside, beating corn out with a piece of stuff the little mother kid to feed a bunch of children washing over a tub to send her husband out in the field. And here they are in their 80s, setting up here today, enjoying the gospel of Jesus Christ, driving a hundred and something miles on Sunday morning, every Sunday, a preach down here, they hear about it. Sure, we send them an invitation, they want to come. Bless their little old heart. That's right. I want every person in here to shake their hands this morning if they can. Bless them. Now pray. Oh, I'm so glad to know that he's God. What a feeling. You say, what are you stalling for, Brother Bram? I'm waiting for him. It's a, I've been preaching. This is another anointing. And if he will come and do it, how many in here then is sick will accept him as your healer? Just raise up your hands. All the sick people, if he'll, if he'll do it, raise your hands. Everybody's sick. I can see that Messiah, Christ, is in the midst of the people speaking. Pray. Believe. I will consecrate on this side of the house. I got so many praying. I see the anointing. Look, how many heard that that pillar father that science has hanged in Washington, D.C.? You know it. Here's a picture of it right here. Same pillar father that led Moses. When even the science said someday it would be on 10 cents for a shelf, only supernatural beam was ever photographed. That same angel is right here at the pulpit right now. I challenge you to believe it. You outsiders, you believe. Now I just have to watch where I see it going. Be reverent, never mind. In his presence, that awe. I see a man, here it is. He's sitting to my left, right back here in the corner. He's suffering with science trouble and stomach trouble. You believe with all your heart. Be a stranger to me. Mr. Well, that's what your name is, Mr. Well. You're not from here. You're a place called Aurora, Illinois. That is true. Is it true? I'm a stranger to you. That's right. Raise up your hand. Stand up on your feet. 
Jesus Christ makes you well. You believe now? If thou canst believe. Hallelujah. Praise this wonderful man. Now there's this fellow I've never seen in my life. He's a perfect stranger among us. He's from another state. And the Holy Spirit now, whatever it said to him, I don't know until I get that tape over. It's anointing. It comes upon me. But the man knows what was told you is the truth. Is that right, sir? We're saying that he'd be witness of himself. Who did that? Messiah. Christ. Amen. Here's a lady sitting right back out here in the midst of the people right here. See that light over? She's suffering with a skin trouble. Mrs. Pittman, you're from Owensboro. If you're a stranger, wave your hand. If those things true, wave your hand. God heals you. I've never seen a woman yet on in a vision. That you might go right over from is a woman named Ella, Mrs. Ella, a young woman. She has female trouble. She's a stranger also. If that's right, wave your hand. Is that your mother sitting next to you there? The lady sitting there suffering with a fear, a complex of fear upon her. If that's right, raise up your hand, lady. All right. The fear is gone. You can go home and be well. Hallelujah. I challenge you to believe. Praise God. Wave back in the back of the corner. Way back. A man from Minnesota with that trouble. Your name is Mr. Carson. Stand up on your feet. Your back trouble is gone. Jesus Christ makes you well. Hallelujah. Right back behind here, a lady suffering. She's from out of town. She's in a place called Blue Island. She has heart trouble. That's near Chicago. Mrs. Braden, raise up. Accept your healing. Go home and be well. In the name of Jesus Christ. Are you believing? Hold on to this section. You know that's Messiah? How man All these people have been called so far, and those that I know nothing about you, raise up your hands. All you people have been called around. See there? Somebody behind me praying. Back over the room. Young fellow right here. Praying for a cousin out in Kansas got cancer. Come forward to the door. Have faith in God. You believe? Elmer, that's some connection with you. I see your dad saying that. Right. High blood pressure. If you believe, God will heal you. <laughs> I don't know. That's right, isn't it? You believe with all your heart. You believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Messiah? Do you believe his presence is here? Remember, when one woman touched the heart of God of Jesus, he got weak. 
virtue, strength went from him. I'm just about gone now. Do you believe? Now let's bow our heads just a moment. Oh, Jesus, Messiah of God, thou art ever near. The people are aware that you are the Son of God, that you are here now. Your great signs and wonders are being proved. Bless them, Father. Bless them, I pray. May they right now believe with all their heart that you, the Messiah, is the one standing here. No one could do that. That's humanly impossible, Lord. Miracle. To see the power of Messiah come into a little humble place like this. Because that you promised it, Lord. Because your grace is here to grace us. Because that it's your promise to do it, you have done it. Yes. We see that you don't leave your people. Now, Father God, may those who have prayer cards coming into the prayer line, may they have faith to believe. Oh, Almighty God, when hands are laid upon them, may they go in here rejoicing, shouting, praising God that they're healed. Grant it, Lord. And let these who have been saved know that there's no secrets with God. God reveals the secrets of the heart. He knows every thought that's in our mind. Grant it, Father. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, you that have prayer cards, out in the audience, two people around the tabernacle, around here that has prayer cards. Do you believe, raise your hands, and believe that a human being cannot do that, that it has to come from God? Do you believe it's a promise of God that God said he would do it? All right. Then you know that somebody is here beside man. I solemnly take this word before God. The people that were spoken to, everywhere it was, I do not know them. And they do not know me. They are strangers that just dropped into the tabernacle here, wherever they was. I see some visions over people here that's in the tabernacle, but let them alone. Let's let them alone. Those people who were called, whoever he was, that the others might see that you're strangers, raise up your hand. See? Everyone. Amen. All strangers. Something just keeps moving me. I see a colored lady appear before me all the time. Got arthritis and high blood pressure. Yes. You're a stranger among us. You're from Memphis. Mr. Stiles. That's your name. Your first time here. You believe on the Lord with all your heart? Then you can go home and be saved. Healed. God takes it for you. Believe with all your heart, everybody. Raise up your hands now, everybody. Believe with all your heart. Put your hands over on one another. Come here, Brother Neville. Come here. Offer the prayer. While we have our heads bowed, Brother Neville's going to pray.